Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. We are continuing our series on alternative approaches to healing, where we're looking at therapeutic treatment interventions that go above and beyond talk therapy when talk therapy isn't enough. If you missed season three, episode one, go back and start there to hear about when and why talk therapy sometimes isn't enough. You can also check out last week's episode where I spoke with my friend and colleague, Claire Weiss, about psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. This week, you get to hear from me because I am trained in and regularly use in my own clinical practice a non-conventional treatment approach, and I'm really excited to get to share with you about it. To walk through this episode, I'm going to use the same questions that I gave to the guests participating in this series so that you can hear the cross-comparisons around these interventions. My hope is this will help you have a sense of which, if any, of these approaches might feel like a fit for you if you're finding or have previously found talk therapy to be insufficient to make a difference for your needs. So let's open with this one. I've asked our guests to tell me about the approach they use and how it's different than conventional therapy models. The approach I use in conjunction with more conventional therapy models is called Observed Experiential Integration, or OEI for short. OEI was born out of another more widely known approach that is also outside of the conventional talk therapy models called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR. Both OEI and EMDR are treatment approaches that evolved out of recognition that talk therapy is often ineffective at processing traumatic experiences and related impacts. What we know about traumatic or high-stress experiences is that they jack up your limbic system, which is where your survival responses live, and they decrease effectiveness of your frontal lobe, including your speech center. If you think about a time when you were in high stress, and I don't mean like having a tough day kinds of stress, but in an actual moment of high, high physiological stress or a highly traumatic event, you may recall that it was difficult to come up with words. Perhaps you stuttered or had difficulty speaking clearly. Perhaps you even experienced something we call speechless terror, which is when no matter how much you wanted to, no sounds would come out. 
This is exactly because of how the brain shifts to manage traumatic events that makes speech so difficult. What's really interesting about this is that when an event is then stored as traumatic or highly stressful, the brain locks it in using the same playbook as when it originally ran the scenario. It locks it into your limbic system, and when you go back to it to recall it, whether voluntarily or as intrusive things like flashbacks or nightmares, it reactivates your limbic system and, again, decreases activation to your frontal lobe and speech center. And this is why talk therapy often has limited capacity to help make trauma different. Because to encounter the traumatic material in any kind of meaningful way, by its nature, reduces the brain's access to speech. And trying to speak about it actually reduces our access to the material. Because of these challenges, trauma therapists got creative in trying to work with what the brain does have online when interacting with traumatic experiences and using these resources to support processing the trauma, as opposed to continuing hitting our heads against the wall trying to help people change through a mechanism that just can't reach where they need to go. Now, how EMDR and OEI work to do this is a little different from one another, but they share the ability to treat traumatic experiences and the residual impact of trauma and high stress with minimal need to talk and even minimal need to have clear conscious recall of the events. For example, these treatment methods have been shown to be helpful in processing the physical, mental, and emotional impacts of something like a date rape, where the survivor was unconscious and may have no conscious memory of the events at all, but experienced tremendous consequences regardless of their memory. Now, let me tell you about how I got started in this approach. The funny answer is that it was completely (laughs) involuntary-ish. When I started grad school at Trinity Western University here in Langley, BC, I quickly connected with Dr. Rick Bradshaw, who was the professor on staff doing research in and work around trauma-related interventions. I already knew that this was the area I wanted to specialize in, and I sought him out to supervise my thesis research. Here was the catch. At the time, the research Dr. Bradshaw was highly invested in doing pertained to OEI because he, along with a colleague of his, Audrey Cook, were the co-creators of this therapy. So the deal was a trauma-related thesis would need to align to something connected to OEI. And to do that research, I would need to be trained in OEI. So as a brand new graduate student, just starting to get my feet wet in practicing clinical skills on my fellow students and a few daring community members who sought reduced cost counseling from our practicum site, I entered into a trauma specialized training, having no idea how this would fit into the grand picture of the therapist I would eventually be. I remember when I took the training, I thought that the stories sounded way too good to be true and I actually could hardly believe it. As I worked using OEI more, I realized that while talk therapy offers a lot, there is power in seeking out more when it doesn't cut it. I have seen some really amazing transformations in people who have felt very stuck for a very long time. 
I've had the privilege of witnessing people go from unable to leave their homes or drive their cars without constant panic attacks, suddenly be able to do everyday life things without a second thought. I asked the guests for this series what they valued most in their respective approaches. And the answer for me with OEI is that I value that it lets me go places talk therapy won't, and it lets my clients experience change in a way that talk therapy never could. I love that it allows us to bypass the parts of the brain that tend to overthink or rationalize, and it gets right into the meat of what harms us in high stress events, the fear the uncertainty, the what does this mean about me that this happened? And when we can hurry up and do that work, we can get to the good parts, the life after trauma, rather than the life as a result of it. My guests were asked what specifically their treatment models can do for those on the front lines around issues like burnout, depression, anxiety, PTSD, and other occupational stress injuries. When it comes to OEI, as well as EMDR, the answer is that it can do a lot. So here are my top five. Number one, frontline workers often don't like to talk about and rehash what's happened. They're trained to keep things confidential and to contain the stories to protect their loved ones from what they see and do. It can be hard to talk about it even in therapy, even when it's allowed, even when we really want to because we aren't really trained in how to do it. We don't have a lot of practice sharing it. OEI and EMDR don't need a lot of backstory to help make it feel different in how you hold it. Number two, frontline workers tend to have really busy schedules and don't wanna be in therapy forever. OEI and EMDR tend to be more efficient than talk therapy and related treatment models because they bypass and get to the heart of things quicker to move the process along. Number three, OEI and EMDR have been shown to be beneficial primarily around PTSD and anxiety-related concerns, but are also effective in helping with depression, chronic pain, negative thought patterns, disordered eating, addictions concerns, peak performance training, and a lot more. Number four, I extra love OEI because on top of what it offers in a clinical setting, There are also some key skills that clients can use in their everyday lives that can be tremendously helpful in coping and regulating through things like panic attacks or intrusive thoughts or memories like flashbacks or nightmares. I have taught these skills to so many clients who use them to successfully navigate stressful or triggering experiences like testifying in court or seeing a person who's harmed them in the past or returning to a place where something traumatic happened, and so on. This makes OEI not just a therapy you do in an office, but something you can take with you and use wherever you are to help manage hard moments. And number five, these therapies can help redefine us from the inside out. While I value talk therapy for so many reasons, I find that it can often leave us on the surface. We can get caught in our adult rationalizing, justifying brains and struggle to get past the bullshit and into the stuff that really matters to us. Therapy can stall because of this, where people don't feel like it did much. I value that OEI and EMDR seem to have an ability to not just handle events like specific memories, 
but also how we make sense of who we are for having gone through what we've faced. They can help us dig deeper and past the facade that sometimes blinds even ourselves to ourselves. They give us a way in to consider whether we see ourselves accurately and offer us a path to reshape how we think of and feel about ourselves and our story. And honestly, that is my favorite work. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point. Beating the Breaking Point is a seven-part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue, and related concerns, or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges, This program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper. You love your work and you sacrifice a lot. Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started or use the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Okay, so let's talk about how this stuff happens. How exactly does this work? What does a session look like? What should you expect if you booked an appointment with a trained OEI or EMDR therapist tomorrow? And how long does it take to see a difference? Well, OEI and EMDR work a little differently, but both use primarily your eyes instead of your mouth. We've talked about how talk therapy really demands that your frontal lobe speech center be online. In OEI and EMDR, we're actually shifting gears and activating your occipital lobe, which is at the back of your brain, as this is where your eyes connect inside your brain, and it's really close to that limbic system we keep talking about that gets all jacked up when you experience trauma. While they do this a little differently from one another, both OEI and EMDR walk through a protocol that has your eyes track movement usually the therapist's fingers, while thinking about an event, symptom, or related concern. Generally, clients can expect to sit and focus on an area of concern, whether that's a specific memory or a symptom like feeling panicked or pain in a specific place or an emotion like grief. While focusing on that target, the therapist will have the client focus on their fingers with their eyes and track their movements. In EMDR, the tracking, the clinician's movements, is rhythmic, and it goes in a straight horizontal line back and forth. It's called bilateral stimulation, and it's meant to activate both hemispheres of your brain to stimulate processing and integration of whatever the target material is that you're focused on. In OEI, the movement will be a little bit different, looking for halts in your visual tracking and moving through these glitchy spots which tend to be associated with higher intensity of whatever the target material is. 
Kind of like when you go for a massage for your back, the therapist will have the client track through the glitchy spot from various directions until it smooths out, which tends to yield a change in how the target feels or is being thought of. For fairly straightforward experiences, like a single non-fatal car accident with no other traumatic history, OEI and EMDR can often reduce symptoms and resolve the trauma in a handful of sessions, like three to six. For more complex trauma histories, it can be a bit tricky to say, but consistently the answer is faster than talk therapy. I've seen really complex cases where the clients have gone to talk therapists for years, sometimes decades, and go from non-functional in their daily lives, i.e. not leaving the house unless absolutely necessary, having limited relationships, not being able to work, etc., to more typical functioning in 15 to 20 sessions. Now, obviously that isn't a guarantee, but hopefully it sheds some light on what can be possible. In terms of contraindications for OEI and EMDR, there are some limitations. For OEI, clients must be able to perceive light. That means that this approach is not able to be used with clients who are blind. It's important to note that blindness ranges and that I have worked with clients with partial blindness really successfully. EMDR clinicians trained primarily in visual bilateral stimulation would also have this limitation, although some are trained in alternative approaches, including use of a handheld device called a TheraTapper that can be used if vision is a limitation. I also tend to be cautious in working with clients with traumatic brain injuries, as these therapies and the movement of the eyes to focus can lead to intense headaches for a population that already struggles with head pain and associated challenges like brain fog, light sensitivity, and so on. These symptoms can become more pronounced as a result of the muscular demand placed on the eyes to follow and track movement during a session. Beyond that, there aren't any populations these therapies really aren't suited to, although certainly like anything, they can have mixed success for some individuals. The research around EMDR specifically is quite vast, and it has now been categorized as an evidence-based best practice for the treatment of trauma and stress-related disorders. Interestingly, despite being a gold standard approach, it is not integrated into graduate-level training for therapists and requires additional training that is both expensive and time-consuming. This is essentially why I think it remains a non-conventional approach. Therapists don't always find themselves in a position to choose to add this to their toolbox and use the tools they were given in their graduate training programs, which is classic talk therapy approaches. OEI has less research specifically connected to it, although there is some, including my own, and I'll link to the studies in the show notes. In many ways, OEI operates in similar ways to EMDR and was developed directly out of EMDR. EMDR is fairly accessible. You can Google therapists in your area who are trained in EMDR and likely find a listing. EMDR and OEI are both able to be done virtually, although I'll admit that I don't like it as much, but for those who are located in remote areas with limited access to resources, this can be a really great and viable option. EMDR has done a great job of marketing and making their research and training highly available, which means that there are more therapists in the world and across the globe utilizing this modality. OEI is certainly small scale comparatively. 
While there are clinicians using it worldwide, it is a smaller community and a bit harder to find someone in your area who uses this approach. I will link in the show notes to the contact information where you can inquire about any OEI therapist working in your area. I'll also be sure to post additional information in the show notes where those of you interested in pursuing learning more can go. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you to please reach out and connect if you have any questions or feedback, including about things like OEI. Feel free to reach out. You know I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. I love hearing about what you're working on and how you're using what we talk about on the show. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, where you can follow me or tag me, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. I am grateful that many of you are keen to share about Behind the Line and spread the word to others on the front lines. We have really enjoyed watching listenership explode, and it is entirely because of you. Thank you so much for sharing with those you know. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts about our latest episodes or subscribe to our email list to hear more from me about all the exciting things we have going on and coming up. You'll find all the details you need in the show notes, along with links to our free Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide, which helps you to facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. Also, I want to remind you to please go and check out our survey for listeners and give us feedback so that we can help continue to shape this podcast to echo your needs and interests. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you provide feedback to us before September 30th and include your contact information, you will be included in a draw to win a $50 Amazon gift card as our thank you to you. We make all of these things, the podcast, the checklist and triage guide, the beating the breaking point resilience training course, we make it all available to you because the work you do matters. But more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.